Say something. Um, we'll talk really quick. Why are you wearing a Boston Red Sox hat? You're not from Boston. You don't even like baseball. No, I love baseball. <laughs> no, I just made that up. No, I love baseball, and I'm not a Red Sox fan, but my son was on a Red Sox team, so, you know, I'm supporting The Boston Red Sox? Yeah, he was on, well, yeah, he played professionally, didn't you know that? At 10 years old, that's impressive. Well, don't tell everybody my son's age, you might figure out who I am. Was he in that uh, that movie about the kid that made it into the major leagues after he broke his arm? Is that the rookie? The rookie? Is that what it's called? No, it's not the rookie. Rookie of the year. Rookie of the year. That was a badass movie, man. Pretty good. Pretty good. When you were a kid? When you're seven. That's a badass movie at 40. <laughs> I haven't I'm just watched saying. it, and nor am I 40. I always, like, did you ever think about that? Like, how can I break my arm or hurt my arm in a way? You know, because in the movie, they said, oh, you just sprained your arm. Mm. We're just going to put you in this cast for a little while. And all of a sudden, like. Yeah, yeah, I totally thought getting life. hurt was the key was the secret to gaining a superpower. <laughs> I mean, it seems to be fall right. into a toxic waste dump, you know, and you get uh, superpowers. I, I may have to cut all this out because we didn't do what we were gonna what we talked about. Yeah, no, we're cutting this out. Are we cutting this? This is out? not going to be our why pre lo- every day every time because it can't be. No, people aren't going to want to hear about us. This bullshit. Know. The kid. Yeah. Well, no, I'll just cut. Maybe I'll just cut this part out and uh, whatever. Fuck it. We'll dub it. Just, but yeah. But um. All right. So what we're going to say today is that uh, uh, we were getting some love from the podcast, but uh, we may need your help. We uh. <laughs> We're looking to monetize this to like keep it alive so that way we can both continue to offer free information, especially for those that need it. But most importantly, or what I think is important, I don't know if you agree, but we want to be able to donate uh, 25% of the proceeds of our uh, monetization to the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, the Spinal Muscular Atrophy Association, as well as the Muscular Dystrophy Association. And basically, we want to use the, that money to further the research for kids to either have effective treatments so that they can live a, a well-lived life um, with less difficulty and pain, and also maybe try to uh, fund some innovations to, that could possibly cure this shit so that way kids don't have to deal with this. Or in adults, too. Let's just... It's everybody, you know, let's try to help everybody out. So um, if you could, please uh, go to our Patreon page, uh, go to the links below and maybe donate a buck or so, you know, a month or a buck now or whatever it is. I don't care. But donate uh, to help us uh, keep the lights on and to help children in need. Yes, thank you. We would appreciate that. The kids. It's all about the kids. What? The affected. The affected. So today uh, we're going to talk about baseball, right? Oh, okay. The shitty lockdown that's occurring right now. Um, what lockdown is that? The baseball lockdown right now. There's a baseball They're lockdown. Out. You know the problem with dating a new girl, uh, and it's not new, but the problem with dating somebody and get involved in a relationship is that all of a sudden you lose sight of a lot of things that you really love: football, fighting. Baseball, I baseball's missed, in a lockout, man. Where I you missed been? one fight, and that was this past weekend, and that was because, oh, I don't know. It was Saturday night. I had something going on Sunday, um, and it was just, you know, but yeah. Okay. When was the last time you went fishing? Uh, 
again, that has nothing to do with being in a relationship. This okay. I've just been really busy. All right. When uh, was the last time you, uh, you played tennis? Or did you watch the Australian Open? I did watch the Australian Open. Okay. All right. Well, then all's for Well, I watched the final. And Nadal <laughs> established. Uh, it was a great match. I made a comeback. I, was, I put it on. It was He was down two sets to love, but he was winning the third. And he came back and won, you know, obviously, as we know, five. Oh, Spoiler God. alert. Yeah, right. Spoiler alert. If you haven't heard, Nadal has 21 majors. You know, I think that was actually pretty interesting. Speaking of lockdown, locked out, whatever. But I was thinking, Djokovic, how pissed is Djokovic that he didn't get to participate, number one. But secondly, he didn't get to defend his title or try to stop Nadal from passing him. Because they were tied, right? At 20? Yeah. Him, to all three of them, Djokovic, well, Nadal, and Federer. 20, I don't know if Djokovic is tied, though. I, I think he might be one or two back. But he's he's young enough where he could potentially eclipse okay. both of them. Okay. He could, but I mean, this was a big, this is this is big. I mean, anything Nadal wins from here going on, this was Djokovic's tournament. It, well, it's been his tournament for the yeah. last several years, so for like the last decade. Yeah. And they lock his ass out. Now he's in trouble of possibly missing the French, which Nadal owns. So again, he's going to space himself out from Djokovic. Yeah. At the same time, he's, I mean, you could call him a liar if you want to, but the fact of the matter is he doesn't want the vaccination. I don't blame him. Millions of people don't want the vaccination. And the whole, the whole thing now the world is seen is like, well, vaccination, two vaccinations, booster. Now there's a fourth booster. Eventually, you'll have to have seven boosters, you know, in order to escape this damn thing. But we're now finding that like natural immunity works better than we initially thought. And because we're saying this, we'll probably get kicked off of all, <laughs> all of our outlets. I mean, I was. You say the collective we, the royal we. I had a uh, an idea that the natural immunity would be better than uh, the, the vaccinations like that just uh, i don't want to say it's common sense but it only kind of makes sense that certainly if your body actually defeats the virus or and, and it's going to be better off it's going to be better suited when it if if and when you get exposed again well the vaccination works there's no doubt about it the vaccination helps it just doesn't help at the level that they told you and it doesn't help at the same effectiveness that they told you now that being said there are lots of people, and I say lots, there's millions of people globally that, den that didn't have the vaccination, that got COVID and died. And you could say it's related to comorbidities and related to risk factors and whatnot. Okay. But on the same hand, you had millions of people globally that got the, the, the COVID. They did not have the vaccination and are arguably better for it because now they're immunized, as Aaron Rodgers would say, immunized uh, potentially from, you know, upcoming variants or, if anything, at bet, the, the, the pre-existing versions of COVID. The fact of the matter is that you can't lock down the country and you can't force people to do things that you want them to do just because you predict or think that they should do that. You know, they, people want freedom. And yeah. Djokovic, Djokovic is a is an all time great. Yeah, he doesn't want the vaccination. Okay, he's I, a healthy guy. Yeah, he's playing against guys that are also extremely healthy. What is the risk factor for them 
from dying and succumbing to, you know, comorbidities and the sequela of COVID versus somebody with diabetes and obesity and COPD? I mean, what's, what's the risk factors there, really? Yeah, I don't know that they were afraid of, and we're talking about Australia. I mean, it was the country itself shut them down at the border or at the airport and said, you can't come in, you know, and they deported them. I, I, they just don't want people walking around the country. But realistically, like, hey, you're going to, to Melbourne, you're going to stay just, just, where's he going? He's he's there for a specific reason. He's not going to be out right. partying the night, you know, in, at any point. He's going to be recovering and he's going to be dialed in. Right. Um, he's not going to be out there exposing himself to other people, other people to him. It was just ridiculous. I, I think that it's very containable to keep somebody who has natural immunity, mind you. Well, not him. To himself. Did he have COVID? He had COVID, yeah. He did. So he has he natural immunity. Mm-hmm. And then you could argue if he had the vaccination, he'd have an even stronger immunity right. against it. But at the same time, he doesn't want the vaccination. He had COVID. Yeah. Okay. And like you said, he's a super athlete, so he's pretty healthy. The yeah. risk the risk for him of having complications and um, getting sick and dying and needing to be hospitalized is very low compared to somebody with comorbidities. And then, like you said, if he does transmit it to somebody else, you know, um, what's the risk of those other super humans, right. you know, as far as getting that, but, uh, he's lucky. He's lucky. They deported him out of the country and, and not into one of those fucking concentration camps. <laughs> <laughs> not oh, that, man. not that Australia has concentration camps. I, but he's lucky they didn't put him in a camp. Yeah. Period. Well, yeah. But uh, speaking of that though, like, uh, we're talking about, you know, protections and whatnot and w- how one can do better for themselves. That's what we spent this the whole last year talking about, you know, how does nutrients affect your immunity? And everything has been concentrated on certain immunities like zinc and vitamin D. And we went down the list of the vitamins uh, and covered from A to K. We're going to talk about the micronutrients next month. And that will pretty much wrap up uh, the discussion. And then we'll try to find some people in here that can either, uh, you know, argue against what we've said or, um, some people that perhaps can support it, but, you know, it's really hard to find a physician at this point to talk about things, especially immunity, um, without fear of reprisal. So, uh, so nevertheless, uh, today we're going to talk and speak about what, how vitamin E and vitamin K, the last vitamins that we're that we've uh, haven't mentioned, uh, how do they affect your immune system? And I think uh, I think everybody has an idea about vitamin E, and vitamin E has been around for a while. But vitamin K, so I'm kind of excited to share some of that um, information. What do you think? I'm excited to get get uh, get past the vitamins. I, I'm actually the micronutrients is really interesting mm-hmm. to me. Um, the vitamins. This has been a long year. Um, so I apologize to everybody who's been who's been listening and waiting and wanting to hear uh, the completion of our vitamin series. Here, here it is. We we've got it, and we're going to get through this, and then we're going to be moving on. Um, you know, and it's going to be great. Yeah, we'll probably you know from immunity, we'll probably talk about other topics as far as like how to affect bone healing or how to affect tissue healing, which you know what type of tissue, fascial, muscular tendon, ligamentous, cartilaginous, uh, discus. There's going to be a number of different topics to talk about. We'll talk about um, not just food and healing. That will be a part of it, but we'll talk about what you can do 
from a physical activity perspective, from a modality perspective, or help you better understand what a clinician can offer you. And uh, we'll we'll probably talk a little bit about pharmaceuticals at that point as well. But uh, right now we're going to wrap up the whole vitamin and immunity. I know you're kind of tired of it, but I I actually, I kind of, it's such a big, robust topic that I felt this was probably the best way to handle it was to break it down and go over it. I agree. But nevertheless, we'll, uh, we'll move on. So uh, vitamin E, you know, what do you know about it? Um, you always ask me this. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if it stands for something, uh, again, or if it's just the next letter that we designated to be a vitamin because it comes after D. Um, but you know, it's, I don't know. I have no idea. No, you're absolutely right. Well, I mean, when I say, what do you know about it? I mean, like, what do you think of when you, when somebody says vitamin E, what comes to mind? Nothing. Nothing in particular. I don't, don't, this is not one of the vitamins that I have uh any any thoughts or considerations or knowledge on i I do believe it's in my multivitamin (laughs) um pretty sure i don't think i was really low on it or anything but it's just one of them that's in there because i'm pretty sure they're all in there Uh, that surprises me because vitamin e gets a lot of love it's like vitamin d does it Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and there's trends with it, too. You know, when you want to get rid of a scar, vitamin E lotion. Oh, yeah. 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 You know what? Now that you mention it, I have even recommended people just make sure you get a, a, if you're going to get a lotion or something to put on there, make sure it's got vitamin E. So so, uh, skin healing. um, Potentially. Potentially. And we can talk about that down the road. That would be one of our conversations. Kind of elasticity of of the tissue. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, but but it does a number of things. Uh, but vitamin E is also well known as being an antioxidant. It was one of the, the 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 first discoveries of antioxidants, if you would. And in context of like antioxidants, its cousin, its cousin from another mo- mother, is vitamin C. Ah. And so vitamin C is water soluble. What does that mean? It means that it likes to be in water and it's repelled by fat. So if you're going to travel or push vitamin C through the body, you do it through the bloodstream where there's a lot of water. You don't do it in between the cells or through the cell because it's it's fatty. The The outer membrane of the cell is a, a hydrolipid. And so it's going, I'm sorry, uh, lipoprotein, and it's going to repel those uh, th- those water molecules, if you will. Oil and water don't mix, hmm. in other words. So if you had a glass of water and you put some oil in it, you're going to see the oil and the water separate. If you squirt in some you know, lime juice or orange juice, that vitamin C is going to sit in the water. All right? Yeah. It's going to move in there. It likes that. So for the body, vitamin C is circulated through the bloodstream and utilized by the cells in that nature or received by the cells in that nature. Whereas vitamin E is, you know, the cousin, it's the fat soluble vitamin like A and D, but it will move and be traveled through the uh, cellular membranes. And what it's responsible for as an antioxidant is that it's rescuing the cells from cellular damage. So the cells have a, a membrane uh, lipoprotein. That lipoprotein can is vulnerable to destruction by what we call free radicals or reactive oxygen species, or another reactive uh, another species of free radicals would be a reactive nitrous species. And these are basically compounds that have uh, a missing electron 
and they go and they steal an electron from the cellular body. And what happens is a cascade of events occur, like a domino effect. The cell loses an electron, and then it starts to deteriorate around the cellular membrane until the cellular membrane collapses, and the cell, the contents of the cell spill out, and it's dead. Cellular death. So vitamin E is intended to basically approach those reactive species, give it an electron to prevent the cellular membranes from being destroyed. Okay. What a nice guy. It's a nice guy. Vitamin C does the same thing, but it does it within the bloodstream mostly. Okay. Okay. So those are the two differences. So when you think antioxidants of vitamin E, that's why vitamin E, you can rub it into your skin, whereas vitamin C, you cannot. Uh-huh. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we, we use, there's four different toxiferols, there's four different tox, toxotrienols. That's what vitamin E is. That's the uh, chemistry name, if you will, toxiferol, vitamin E. The reason why they call it vitamin E is because, as you said before, is the next letter after D, and it's discovery. I knew it. Yeah, I see. You know a lot about this stuff already. You just didn't realize it, Um, which is cool. Uh, So anyway, um, alpha-toxiferol is mostly what we utilize. It, It kind of, you know, vitamin E kind of floats around your body. It's a scavenger. And it, that's when it approaches those reactive species and it kind of like, it disarms them, if you will, and prevents cellular damage. It is then rejuvenated by its cousin, vitamin, vitamin C. C. Perfect. Also rejuvenated by glutathione. Glutathione is a very uh, helpful um, protein for, as an antioxidant. But vitamin C and, vit- and glutathione will basically give vitamin E an electron and rejuvenate it so it can go back out in the world and fight those free radicals and save the day. So it's really kind of cool how they kind of go back and forth and help each other out. Uh, and then what does it do from an immunity perspective? You know, How does it strengthen the, our immunity, help us fight infections, or heal? All right. And any ideas so far? You look Not like you're thinking. Um, no. No. Well, as you know now, it prevents cellular damage. So it prevents disease or possible tissue breakdown because it saves the cellular membrane. Ah, there we go. <laughs> you get uh, you've said a lot of words and they're all back to back. Oh. But you remembered that one. That one. You get a lollipop after this. Okay. All right. Gold star. <laughs> no, I'm joking. So what it also does is it, vitamin E, it, it decreases the opportunity for platelets. Platelets are little proteins that float around within your, uh, your blood supply. And when they aggregate, meaning when they crowd together, they can generally form like a little clot. Mm, right. Okay. And then if you've got a little clot and it travels through the bloodstream, eventually it's going to hit something or get stuck. Yeah. And then when it gets stuck, that causes like a DVT, pain, pain, swelling, blockage. yep, blockage, which can lead to most notably pulmonary embolisms, failure to breathe, uh, a stroke, okay, and or a heart ta- heart attack as well. So vitamin E decreases the opportunity for platelets to aggregate together. Oh, that's that. Sound that sounds good, but also sounds like don't we want to have these platelets? We do, and, you know, healthy clotting. 
We do when we need it, but we don't need it when we're just, you know, hanging out, playing tennis or fishing yeah. or something like that. So there's other regulations, but it regulates that. So it, it, it decreases the opportunity for platelets to basically aggregate. And other uh, nutrients like vitamin K will help with clotting factors and whatnot. We can talk about that down uh, a little bit later. Um, it also increases lymphocytes. Remember lymphocytes? Lymphocytes are the uh, cells that make up your immune system. Right. So it increases their, uh, it helps them proliferate. So it helps them become, you know, one soldier comes two soldiers, come four right. soldiers. So it allows them to become bigger, better, and stronger. It also increases your immunoglobulin levels. When we talk about IgAs, IgEs, IgGs, IgDs, uh, and, and whatnot, those are those immunoglobulins that lie, some of them lie within the mucosal tract, like IgA and IgG, right. and they fight off infections, basically. Uh, and, and they regulate the uh, opportunity for infection to occur from the stomach, as well as the nose and the throat. So when you talk about COVID, COVID enters through the throat and infects the lungs and then gets into the bloodstream from there. If you have good What about eye- the eyes? Oh. <laughs> that's I the, heard it can get you through the eyes. Yeah, you're yeah. <laughs> that's why I'm wearing glasses here. I don't want you to get yeah. sick. Yeah. Uh that was the you know, that's the idea that it travels in, you know, droplets. And so if somebody's talking without a mask, you and me, a droplet could fly out of our mouth, hit the eye, mm. be absorbed. And get the throat. And now you're infected. Yeah, exactly. Travel down into your sinuses, down into your throat, into your lungs. Now, IgA and IgG lie within the mucosa of your throat and lungs. And if you have a healthy amount of those, then they're going to prevent that you know, COVID bacterial, that, I'm sorry, that COVID viral infection to spread or become prolific in nature. And that's one of the benefits of, uh, of um, the vaccination is that it ramped up some of your immunoglobulins so you could better fight the, the viral infection or um, decrease your ability to transmit, or so we thought, for a reasonable time. It also, vitamin E, increases antibody responses. And antibodies are created by your, say with me, um, by your exposure and development against certain organisms. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Your immune system, your immune system puts out antibodies, which yes. are, you know, agents that are render the virus or the bacteria or any type of microorganism vulnerable to destruction. So Vitamin E ramps up the antibodies to your bot. Your immune system can basically fight whatever it is that you've got. It will increase natural killer cell activity, which is another lymphocyte, mm-hmm. which is responsible for killing off infection. It will increase interleukin-2 production. Don't ask me what that is. <laughs> I can see you're about to. Like, no. I won't say a word, but a lot of your interleukins are cytokines. So, and cytokines are used for inflammation and are or used uh, to fight inflammation. And so, regulation of your cytokines, we've talked about cytokines before with other nutrients. Regulation of your cytokines can prevent a cytokine storm, but it can also help with tissue healing or fighting off a virus. Cytokines help drive the temperature. And like, like if you sprain your ankle, they cause inflammation, which drive up the temperature of your ankle, which then allows 
fluid to come shift from the blood supply into the extracellular spaces spaces for two reasons for a couple reasons one the increase in temperature basically kills any type of like possible infection that you may have but also it denatures the protein of the damaged tissue that is present so if you have a dead cell your body says i need to get rid of it and one of the things that it does is it denatures the protein by heating up the tissue around it Another thing is the swelling. Uh, when the swelling comes in, it limits your range of motion, so that way you're almost getting like a natural splint, if you would. Mm. And and your body will know not to move too far in a certain motion uh, because of the increased pressure of the of the area, but also because of pain signals. So you kind of splint yourself intentionally. And also, what's very interesting is that swelling is rich with uh, stem cells, right? Stem cells, stem cells, and other like um, like uh, insulin growth like factors, hormones, and certain neurotransmitters, and other nutrients, or I shouldn't say nutrients, other compounds that promote tissue healing um, and immune system function. So this cascade of inflammation and swelling a lot of times leads to tissue healing, and that's why it's a number. It's a second stage for in tissue healing, which leads to basically granulation and remodeling down the road. But vitamin E helps with the, the regulation and control of cytokines. Um, it also decreases COX-2 activity uh, by decreasing nitrous oxide. What that means, COX-2 is, uh, I, I can't necessarily remember the, I can tell you the compound is like carboxylation uh, too, but um, basically COX-1 and COX-2 is how the, the, the pathway is how you generate pain. So Tylenol and aspirins, um, acetaminophens and naproxens and ibuprofens, they 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 interact with those pathways, the COX ones and COX twos, uh, the COX pathways, and to decrease your pain. Well, vitamin E works on COX two, the COX two pathway, by decreasing the nitrous oxide that's present, which means that you have less pain. Okay. So it can help you drive down pain. Okay. Kind of neat, right? Yeah. So this is this is another reason why. Um, PUFAs, polyunsaturated fatty acids, omega threes okay. and omega sixes and omega nines, have been argued like fish oil. Yeah, have fish oil because that can control your inflammation. And it's going to help you with pain relief. Well, your PUFAs and some of your monos, your your MUFAs, your monounsaturated fatty acids, they are rich in vitamin E, and therefore they can have they can act as a hypoalgesiac. What about MCT oil? I'm not I'm, I'm not too well, familiar with trig it. Triglycerides. Well, triglycerides are animal fats, basically, but animal fats are rich in and and um, vitamin E, okay. as well as vitamin A and D. Oh, okay, that's interesting. But an, but MCT comes from from coconuts. Well, MCT is a medium chain uh, fatty acid. So M medium chain or multi chain? Medium no, not medium multi chain. medium chain. Medium chain. Okay. Um, but uh, MCT, I can't speak to the amount of uh, vitamin E's in there. I don't even know if there is vitamin E in I don't MCT. Either. Um, but it does have other vitamins in it, yeah. like vitamin A's, and I'm sure it has fat-soluble vitamins in it. I just can't speak to that. Okay. So I can't speak to the mechanism of which it impacts yeah. pain. Yeah. Because I don't know if it, Im I don't even, I don't know. So that's something that, that we should probably get somebody else on and talk about. Mm. Um, it increases T-cell function. T-cells are part of your adaptive immune system. Right. So it allows the T-cells, when we talked about them before, they 
can become Treg cells, which lie within your gut to fight infection. They can become T helper cells that will help you fight cancer. Um, but it, it improves T cell function, which uh, means you're adapting to whatever condition you're dealing with. It protects endothelial barriers. This is where you were talking about this earlier. You know, you've recommended patients, you know, who have like, uh, why do you recommend vitamin E oil for patients? That's a better question. Uh, it's known to help with the with the healing process of a, of a incision or wounds. The, sure. The, the skin. Okay. And, and and did you how did you get that information did you did you learn that a while back and yeah well, it was a long time ago yeah and yeah. what what have you seen anecdotally with these patients oh well um i i they typically um i i don't know i i you know just so knows. have you seen any change when you tell them to use vitamin e uh you know you're you're saying that for like a scar or something like that yeah. that's what you're saying right right so when they use it have you seen changes with vitamin E with their scar? Their their skin does seem to get a little a little softer where the scar or, or from the the incision where the incision is or scar is. Um, you know that that I don't know if that's all or or how much is due to the vitamin E or this stuff that they're putting on it. Well, you don't need to. I was yeah. just curious to know if you've seen any change, any positive benefits. I mean, to be honest, with the I don't know what my patients do when they go home. They they tell me what they do, but right. I don't I don't necessarily always believe them, right? Or right. know how much. Usually, if I probe a little bit, like okay, so you did do it today? Well, not today. Yesterday? Mm. Uh, like okay, this week? Yeah, I did it this week. Mm. Once? Yeah, well, probably. I'll speak from my experience. I've seen patients use those expensive uh, medical creams that mm. you can buy at any store, like Mederma. Yeah. I've seen people use cocoa butter. Mm -hmm. I've seen people use lotions with aloe vera. Remember how big aloe vera was up for like a while. And then vitamin E. And I'll tell you that uh, comparatively, the best results as far as like scar formation, Mm -hmm. tissue softening, um, decrease in sensitivity, uh, as well as like um, decreased appearances of the scar. So improvement Mm -hmm. aesthetically uh, came has that I've seen has come from cocoa butter, vitamin E, and aloe. And typically, those patients are using a cocoa butter uh, formula that has added vitamin E and aloe vera in it. So those patients tend to have the best-looking scars, in my opinion, compared to that of like Mederma and other brands. Not that that stuff doesn't work, because Mederma does work rather well. They're just more expensive and... uh, so or how liberal are you going to be with applying that right. and using it? These patients that tend to use this cocoa butter with vitamin E and aloe, um, they tend to, they can, they can do it more frequently and they can do it more often. And I think that may also have something to do with it. Maybe it's just a frequency of which they're doing their scar mobilizations right. with the lotion that may be beneficial. But nevertheless, I see the best results from that. Oh, good. Because I have aloe, I have some aloe in, in my refrigerator right now. Is that- just waiting to be applied. Do you have the drink, the aloe vera drink? No, it's just, it's literally uh, uh, an arm or a, a little, you know, pieces of the aloe plant. Oh, okay. That shit's gross. Well, I, have you I, ever eaten it? Uh, you know. It is gross. I don't <laughs> think I've eaten it at all. Yeah, have you? Uh, I've, yeah, I've, I've, had a, I've had it. I've eaten it. Why? Um, just to, because it was supposed to be healthy. It was like, all right, we'll just eat it. All right. Okay. I don't remember if I was doing it for any specific purpose. Maybe I was. Just tasting it, see what it tasted like. 
It was kind of jelly, you know, but huh. I wouldn't necessarily <laughs> recommend it. You're the but same kid that ate glue, right? I did eat glue when I was a kid. It was cold, <laughs> I remember. But, you know, I was like kindergarten, first grade. Huh. Everybody else was doing it. No, I, I, I remember the, the, the whole thing with aloe vera. It was like a huge craze and people were buying mm. aloe vera plants mm. and they're breaking off the little, you know, little tip of it and to get the natural oils from yeah. it. And aloe vera was in everything. But when I tried the drink, man, it was fucking awful. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think I tried the actual drink. Um, again, like I had a, I had a branch and I'm like, yeah, I know people have been eating this. What's it taste like? Not very good. All right. I don't think I'm going to really eat it. Maybe throw it in like a smoothie, but again, it's kind of a pain to get it out of the things. Sure. Um, it's just, it it was just, it's interesting that we're talking about this because I have some in the fridge, in the refrigerator and, um, you know, I, and now that you bring it up, I do remember that it's obviously very recently, uh, we've been using it to, to help, um, you know, my, my girlfriend's scar so and it did seem to to turn around and get better right away how long have you been using it uh probably four days five days oh so it's been pretty well let's say maybe seven it was probably i gotta remember what day was what uh sunday sunday she started on sunday using it saturday night actually got it from my sister that one Saturday like night. No, Friday day. afternoon. No, yeah. no, Thursday you know what morning. I think it was this morning. <laughs> I don't know. It's all better. No, so. but yeah. No, that's no, that's but still Saturday, pretty. So it was coming up on a week. That's um, still pretty But within quick. the first few days, it, you know, the, the little thing, the little uh, cut dried out and mm-hmm. started to heal. That's um, awesome. Yeah. So uh, I, yeah, I do like that. Sure. Yeah. Well, that's just my experience with patients and take it for what it's worth. It's anecdotal, but yeah. Uh, that's just as a therapist, that's what I've seen. But, um, you know, the whole point of this conversation that we, this little tangent that we went on was to basically uh, show that vitamin E, um, it helps with epithelial protection. So in essence, it's about time we got to the point. (laughs) (laughs) You asked me like 10 minutes ago. Oh man. I just like to, I just like going down rabbit holes, but vitamin E aloe vera. Good. Uh, MCT oil is apparently not helping my memory like it's supposed to. Well, is I, is that what they told you? That's what is supposed to be help boost, Mm. boost, uh, cognitive function and energy. I tell you, man, I do not like coconut water. I do not like coconut milk. I I don't know. It's just a taste. Oh, I love it. And, and the only thing that I've enjoyed MCT in is was that mud water. Mm. But I have to, I can't use it at full dose as far as like when I mix it with some coffee or some um, milk. But uh, I, other than that, I can't, the MCT, I, it's just not my taste. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can get it unflavored or flavorless. Yeah. I've got, I've got it. It's not flavored. Well, medium chain fatty acids though are terrific for uh, energy recovery, especially yeah. during athletics. It's terrific for energy use, immediate energy use from the gut into the intestines. So as far as that's concerned, it's very helpful. But it tastes like shit. Medium chain. Medium chain. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's long chain, chain, there's medium chain, there's short chain. Okay. And short chain is, is also very valuable. That's why a lot of athletes would tend to like eat some like short chain fatty acids when they're on a break, like halftime and whatnot. Because it helps replenish their energy stores, helps save and spare their, you know, blood sugar, their glucose levels. Um, and it helps, allows them to basically recover a little bit quicker. Uh, and then if you couple that with, you know, the thought is brand chain amino acids, we can have a discussion on that. You can perform a little bit better, a little bit quicker and, and recover a little bit faster. 
but that's mm-hmm. another topic. Yeah, we're going to cover that. Stay tuned. <laughs> Eventually. But yeah, vitamin E protects, remember, remember what we talked about, it protects the cellular membrane by getting rid of the, rea- the reactive oxygen or nitrous species. So it sacrifices itself so your your skin cells mm-hmm. can stay alive and well. Mm-hmm. So that's how it protects. So when you rub it on there, your skin absorbs it because your skin is fatty. Yeah. You know, that's you know that's why water beads Maybe your skin. Is. So, so when you jump in a pool of water, you just become water. Yes. Oh, exactly. I am water. <laughs> what superhero is water? What, is there a superhero that's just water? Um, I did, oh, I don't know. I don't, uh, I don't think a there superhero. Is. Holy shit! Other Captain than like X Men, uh, who X Men? Captain Planet? No, he's you know he's Captain water, <laughs> wind, fire, and heart, <laughs> Earth. Earth, oh, but he's all of those. I loved that cartoon when I was a kid, man. That was a badass cartoon. Yeah, that was a good one. That was a good one. They need to make a movie of Captain Planet. Ooh, didn't they? Oh, they need to. The I don't live think they, action. Uh, yeah, live like the, action. Yeah, Robert Downey Jr.'s get, Captain Planet. No, he's Iron Man. Why can't he be another superhero? He's so versatile. Was it just me, or did Captain Planet have a mullet? Oh, I have to think back. I know he had like, didn't he have like kind of like brownish reddish hair too? Well, he was like multicolored, I think. Oh, I don't remember him being multicolored. I remember I one of, of blue, silver, green hair. I think he had green hair. Oh, I can't remember, man. I'm going to go back and look. Wish we, wish we could have somebody pull, pull it up, pull it up. Yeah, pull we up, have Jamie. to, well, <laughs> we have to monetize so we can yeah, afford that. Right. This is what we really need the donations for. Somebody that can pull Shit. it up. But what are the five elements? Yeah, it was earth, wind. Fire, water, water. No, there's, there's a fifth one. There's a fifth heart. one. Heart. Yes. Heart Which isn't an element. What the fuck is that? Just representative of like humanity or something? Like I that? think so. Man, Captain Planet got like he got got shit. Ooh. Humanity sucks. Yeah. He the last time he came, he said nope. He said I'm out. Fuck you guys, you're on your own. He took off with uh, Captain Marvel. Yeah. Never to be seen again. Uh, no, but I would. So, who's going to play Captain Planet? You say no, Robert Downey Jr. No, Robert Downey Jr. What about um, Chris? What about Chris Pratt? Could he play Captain Planet? Well, you keep grabbing people that are already superheroes or already heroes. We need somebody that doesn't. They're versatile, bro. They're what? versatile. Well, but you can't be if they're like okay. I don't even know what universe is Captain Planet in. Is he in the DC, the Marvel? No, he's separate. He's completely he's separate, separate. Completely. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't like it. Um, the, I don't the, like it. Listen, well, that's why it Birds, works. And the guy needs a mullet. But that's why it works. It's a different. It's a completely different character. Robert Downey Jr. could do anything. He played a. He once played a white guy pretending to be a black guy <laughs> with blue eyes. So you want Captain? No, you want uh, Iron Man to play Captain Planet while he's. Well, he'll look different. Ooh, I don't. He like could it. be multicolored too. I don't like it. I mean, and Robert Downey is the only person who could do blackface and not get in trouble. Think about that. And Iron Man is dead. Hmm. We can revive Robert Downey Jr. as a superhero through Captain Planet. Okay. What are we talking about? I know. Where yeah. are we at there? I, I really enjoyed the Captain Planet talk. We can, we can have a whole comic book day if you want. Oh, um, my God. We'll have a whole, awesome. That would be. Especially if we, could, we should here. bring in a climate science... Uh, professor or researcher and talk Captain Planet all day long. Okay, moving on. 
So anyway, vitamin E protects the skin, protects the cellular membranes, and that's why it helps when it rub when you rub it into your Ooh. skin, your skin's fat as, as fatty tends to be. Yeah. And so it absorbs fat molecules or fat soluble molecules as opposed to water. Okay. Yeah. And therefore it protects the skin. It um it decreases prostaglandin uh, production, type two mostly, which is a a, a product, uh, produced by macrophages. Uh, and that basically what that does is it protects the C- T cells. Uh, it protects their ability so they can function more uh, at a higher level, if you would. It increases uh, immune uh, uh, synapses between T helper cells. So basically T cells, uh, T helper cells that communicate to one another and then fight. Um, it increases antigen experienced memory T cells. Sounds badass, right? Yeah. 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 Sounds badass. It decreases and regulates inflammation. The cytokines. Right. Okay. The cytokines. Puts them in their place. It says, yeah. It says, not now, bitch. Ah. Right. And then it also increases B cell and humoral immunity. It's okay. Which is yeah. your, the B cells, your adaptive immunity. So, you know, it's helping T cells and B cells. Um, and then also what's interesting, there's not a lot of literature I could try to scour it a little bit more, but it seems to help. Um, we seem to think that it has a contribution in preventing cancer. Wow. What, what type of cancer? I don't know. But, you know, when your body, when your cells are constantly bombarded with viral or any type of microorganism uh, organism infection, bacterial or viral mostly, uh, it, it under, undergoes a certain amount of damage. And then mm-hmm. when it genetically expresses itself, uh, especially if it has to do it repetitively, it has an increased opportunity for cancer for cancer development. And so the idea is that antioxidants such as vitamin E, if it protects the cell and it prevents viral infection, viruses are well known for causing cancer because remember, they can't produce their own babies. So they have to be a parasite, hijack the cell, uh, their cells, reproductive system in particular, and pop out babies. Mm -hmm. And eventually one of those babies are going to come out flawed and it's a cancer cell. Next thing you know, it goes unregulated. So these antioxidants, particularly vitamin E, can help reduce viral infection, reduce viral, uh, uh, viral upload into the cell, and therefore viral uh, shedding, and therefore potential cancer. Good. We're good? Yeah, we're good. we're good. Perfect. So what are some sources of vitamin E? Vegetable oils, your wheat germ, peanuts, spinach, broccoli, and tomatoes. And fatty fish. Hmm. Fatty fish and shellfish, baby. We've yep. been saying it all, you know, the whole time. What's the one thing you see in a pattern of? Fish. Fish. Yeah. Fatty fish and shellfish. Fat, fatty animals, you know? Now, what does a, a deficiency look like? If you're deficient in vitamin E, you're going to get sick more often. Your immune system is really weakened. You could have ataxia. Okay. Difficulty or, or unsteady. Gait pattern walking around. That's right. Loss of coordination and balance. Mm. You can have retinopathy and you can have peripheral neuropathy. Ooh, see a lot of that. Yeah. Well, yeah, we do. See a ton of that. So now we can move on to vitamin K, which I think is kind of cool. There's not a lot of research on vitamin K and its support in the immune system. So, in my opinion, we talked about how vitamin D when I was a student studying vitamin D and I was laughed out of the room because of its potential for immune function. That's where vitamin K is right now. 
we're going to discover, because we don't know too much about vitamin, a lot about vitamin K, I think we're going to discover a lot of contribution of vitamin K for the immune system. That's why it's special. That's exciting. Because it's exciting? It's special yep. because it's exciting? You know what I'm looking for? Yeah. You're not going to give it to me? No. Uh, it Again, I told you about the delivery. It. You killed it. You killed it. Now I can't even do it. You're much funnier than I am. Of course you can do it. You can do it any... Okay, yeah. well, see if you can't salvage it down the road. So uh, vitamin K is, uh, is a unique uh, a vitamin. You, you get it from a, a few places. It's kind of like vitamin D. Is that you don't get it from a bunch of different mm. things. Um, vitamin K, you can get it from fatty fish. You can get it from shellfish and, and fats of animals. Like, and you can get it from eggs um, as well. But you'll get vitamin K mostly through your green vegetables and fruits. So this is why if you're on a blood thinner, they'll tell you not to have salads because it'll affect your ability to clot or to um, have to thin your blood to avoid stroke and heart attack and pulmonary embolism or DVTs. But uh, you tend to get that. Now, that's, uh, that version of vitamin K, that naturally occurring version, is uh, called a um, I'm going to mess it up. Uh, a phyloquinone. Mm-hmm. A phyloquinone. And I was like going over my head. There's a lot of quinones and chlorones and... and Quinoas? No, no, no. I don't know where you are on that one. The other version, and this I think is extremely interesting, another uh, nutrient of vitamin K, it's a separate... Um, it's in the same class as vitamin K, but it's a separate nutrient. Um, and it's oftentimes referred to as K2, all right? is uh, called uh, monoquinones. Mm. And that, you get that from bacteria. Bacteria will produce, it'll emit uh, uh, this nutrient. And you find that mostly within fermented foods. And there's a study in here that Ali uh, wrote up where they looked at using uh, fermented milk and, and bee honey Ooh. and its ability to improve microbiome health. I haven't had fermented honey. It's it's mead basically or or oh, ale. Yeah. Oh, we have had fermented honey. <laughs> <laughs> no, you maybe no, no, not the old school. You've had the new school fermented honey maybe. But um this goes back to a conversation we talked about before where you know people drank alcohol since like the earliest of days right. not because it fucks you up and makes you feel good although that helps but because it ensures safe drinking water, mm. you know. And so uh, a lot of times, you know, beer, ale, uh, wine is made through fermentation. And so there's some thought that you can get this um, monoquinone version of vitamin K, K2, from fermented foods or ales like beers and wines. Uh, but as of today, like the modern drink doesn't necessarily offer that. So don't yeah. don't go on any drinking binges for no. vitamin K. No. <laughs> Well, um, but anyway, uh, and then the other one is a synthetic version. It's a synthetic analog of vitamin K, which is given to people that are deficient. And there's a lot of people that are born in con- with conditions for vitamin K deficiency, um, which unfortunately renders them helpless to clotting if they get cut or they get bruised. So we can talk about vitamin K deficiency down the road, but those are serious conditions, which lead to a num- number of harmful uh, um, conditions and there's there's several different uh, vitamin K dependent or um, deficient uh, conditions that uh, render people helpless. So 
What is vitamin K good for? Vitamin K is responsible for helping the blood coagulate, clot, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, it regulates the uh, coagulation, which is the first stage of tissue healing. Everybody that listened to before to these conversations, they'll know that there's four stages of tissue healing. The first stage is bleeding and clotting, and then you form like a pseudo-biological band-aid, and that is due to the clotting factor. And so those clotting factors are heavily dependent on vitamin K. Okay, good. Yep. It also regulates the uh, uh, enzymes that are responsible for blood clotting, as well as it helps in the uh, process for bone development or hardening of bone. Okay. This is going to be important down the road when we talk about helping someone heal with from a fracture. Yes. Okay. So it helps with uh, uh, bone formation. In other words, it can decrease inflammation and it can potentially, it's been associated with decreased cancer risk, particularly colon cancer and men. It's still hotly debated, but it's there's been some correlations seen. Yeah. Uh, according to Suleiman, uh, it also regulates protein C's and S, which are natural anticoagulant proteins. So these proteins are used to the process, and there's there's many different um, many different compounds, many different uh, processes, if you will, or uh, um, things that are involved in the process for for clotting and bleeding. And so protein C and protein S is a part of this, and vitamin K helps regulate that. And basically protein S, and, and the most notable relationship of vitamin K is protein S. And so what it helps is it, it affects the cell's ability to commit apoptosis. I don't know if you've ever heard of apoptosis, have you? I have heard of it, but I couldn't yeah. tell you what it is. I don't remember. A lot of people will also pronounce it as atosis. Yeah. So yeah. The P is silent. Yeah. And on, Maybe it. Is. I don't know. I've always heard it that way. apoptosis. So atosis is probably atosis, is probably yeah. the correct way. Um, I'm really bad when it comes to speaking, but well, tell us what it is. So it's cellular death, cell okay. death. Cell every, death. Every cell. You, if you think of every cell as a person, mm-hmm. they they have these like organs inside of them, and they're responsible for certain function and activity. These uh, little people are these cells. They also have a brain called the nucleus, and Inside that nucleus is the genetic material. Within that genetic material, there's a, a program that basically tells a cell to commit suicide if it gets infected or if it gets badly damaged or if it's rendered useless. So it commits suicide for the, better, for the betterment of the community, in other words. Um, for instance, if it has a viral infection, it knows that its potential for cancer is elevated. If that cell is able to carry out that genetic expression, it'll kill itself, which will then render the virus ineffective, and then also prevent cancer. So regulation of, of atosis or apoptosis is very important uh, in the concern for tissue healing and immunity. And vitamin K is a part of that, that process. Uh, protein, protein S is also responsible for clotting factors, whether you bleed or you clot to prevent excessive bleeding. And then it, it can also regulate atherosclerosis. Clotting is important in atherosclerosis because you have platelet aggregation, which leads to clotting and whatnot. And so atherosclerosis occurs because of damaged, uh, the damaged intima within the a blood vessel. And then when you have a damaged uh, blood vessel, what's the first stage of healing? Bleeding. 
bleeding clotting. and clotting. And there you go. So uh, regulating, uh, having vitamin K to regulate protein S can help you regulate your uh, uh, ability or your um, help prevent possibly atherosclerosis. Mm. Okay. It helps with angiogenesis. I don't think we've talked about angiogenesis. No, no, no. I don't believe we have. So we, I think we, may, well, actually, no, maybe we have. Maybe we've talked about it in the formation of scar tissue. Do you remember? Uh, I, don't I, I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. Angio just means blood vessel. Mm. Okay. It's just blood vessel. And genesis is obviously creation. Mm. Okay. So when you, your body has this amazing ability to make new blood vessels and, and, a consequence of that is that it also has the ability to make new nerves. So whenever you have blood vessels that are created, you also also have, happen to have new nerves that are created. And that's why you don't refer to blood vessels as being by themselves, really. It's really a, a neurovascular bundle, but that's a separate issue. Uh, angiogenesis occurs most notably when there's an injury. So when you bleed and you clot and then you start to... Uh, I go through inflammation and swelling, that's all taken care of. And you start to go through the uh, granulation stage and then go into re uh, remodeling stage. Your, your body needs nutrients to make new tissue. So it has to have oxygen and it has to have sugars and it has to have fats and proteins. And how do you get it if that area doesn't have a lot of blood flow? It makes new blood vessels through angiogenesis. And so... As it, that scar forms, it will form new blood vessels, and those new blood vessels will help you form new tissue. Sometimes you get stuck in that process, and that, that, uh, that angiogenesis, when it occurs, you get new nerves. Those new nerves are very pain-generating nerves, which is why your scar is sensitive a lot of times. And then when you tear the scar, you tear the blood vessels, which is why you bleed. And then you also tear those nerves, those free nerve endings, which is why you have pain. And then it goes through that process again. Eventually, those blood vessels that were created can be reabsorbed once the tissue is fully remodeled, unless it gets stuck, and in which case you may need intervention. But we, that's an intervention that we can talk about down the road. And then, um, yeah, we also talked about how it lowers cancer and cancer progression. So if you already have cancer and it's starting to proliferate, it can slow the progression and some argument help prevent progression as well. Uh, this is protein S through the regulation by vitamin K. It regulates autoimmune conditions uh, by controlling inflammation. So a lot of times people have autoimmune, you know, they have autoimmune issues because their immune system just, for whatever reason, doesn't recognize itself. And it thinks itself as the enemy. And, and I tell my patients, it's like having a military that doesn't recognize its own soldiers. And so you're committing friendly fire, in other words. Right. And so vitamin K can help regulate autoimmune conditions from flaring up and causing you know, extensive damage. And that's usually through regulation of cytokines. Um, it increases interleukin-10, a cytokine, Ooh. which is an anti-inflammatory cytokine. It's not the cytokine that you're, that's used in a, a storm that causes inflammation. It actually suppresses inflammation. Um, this has been found to be very helpful for COVID because a lot of the problems of COVID is that, and, and this is really, this is where I think it gets really kind of cool. With COVID, you have this cytokine storm where you have a lot of this inflammation. And then what we're also starting to understand is that you get clotting, micro clotting, small clots that 
travel through your bloodstream and eventually get stuck in like capillaries and or they they, they eventually snowball and become a bigger clot and they affect your your ability to breathe and your heart and cause a stroke or heart attack or a dvt so vitamin k because of its response or its regulation of coagulation and bleeding is very helpful in preventing that microemboli from occurring or happening if you will mm. but as one example, it controls the interleukin 10, which is an anti-inflammatory cytokine, which helps you pre- helps prevent uh, this inflama- inflammatory uh, bout uh, when you have COVID and therefore can decrease the intensity of COVID or even help you fight off COVID, like, you know, which I thought was cool. Um, it hit- inhibits other inflammatory cytokines like interleukin 6. We've talked about that many times, but it particularly inhibits interleukin-6, and it also uh, inhibits tumor necrosis factor, which is uh, produced during cancer. Um, It regulates uh, the microvasculature by preventing, like I said before, that microemboli from occurring, Uh, and it does that by controlling its ability to clot. And that's through the protein C and E, and I'm sorry, protein C and S rather. Right? Uh-huh. It, uh, it, and what a lot of people are going to say, well, what there's a lot of like different factors within clotting, and so vitamin K is a part of regulating uh, fact cofactors such as two, seven, nine, and ten. That I just wanted to say that specifically, so that way people understand that there's one through you know, attend cofactors and vitamin K is integral in all those different phases, as well as the different proteins like protein C and protein S. Okay. And, and other enzymes as well and bone formation. So uh, you can see it has a very diffuse uh, effect on the body. It works. This is neat. It works with vitamin D to, uh, to regulate the mineralization of blood vessels. And what that means is sometimes when you have an injured blood vessel, you get that bleeding, you get that clotting. But right, uh, there's a lot of calcium that are floating around within your blood supply. It's very important to have a certain amount of calcium in your blood supply because that's what regulates your heart. Your heart muscle depends on calcium. If you have enough calcium, muscle can contract. If you don't have enough calcium, muscles cannot contract. Okay. And so your heart needs enough calcium in order to contract. Why? So it can pump blood to the body and get nutrients to the tissues and not die. Sometimes, though, when you have an injury, whether it's in, uh, let's say, the fascial system of your hip, you can calcify. And I'm sure, I think you've probably seen patients like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Very difficult and painful condition. Yeah. So they get this mineralization of the soft tissue, which should not be there, or they get uh, uh, mineralization of the blood vessels. And this is a part of atherosclerosis that occurs. You get a hardening of the blood vessel, which now allows it to, it doesn't allow for flexibility. It's very stiff and, 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 and basically makes it very rigid. So if there is a little clot traveling through, it's more likely to get stuck. And and that loss of flexibility with the blood vessel also means it's harder for you to control your blood pressure. Yeah. Okay. So vitamin D and vitamin K work together to to like regulate that. They also work together to um, 
as I said before, to make bone bony matrix, extracellular matrix as well. We've talked about extracellular matrix, and they also are responsible for helping for uh, collagen synthesis, which we'll talk more about down the road. And then vitamin K also supports your microbiome's health. It keeps the good bacteria alive. And in doing so, that microbiome, we think, we're not sure, may help produce more vitamin K. In other words, the monoquinones. Uh, we're not completely sure. that There's not too much research on that right now, but it's kind of like a, a good loop that just helps you out. And I think, yeah, I think that's all I have. Now, if we wanted to discuss deficiencies, so pumpkins, avocados, any green fruit and vegetable, fatty fish, uh, fat fats from most animals, but particularly fatty fish and shellfish, eggs and cheese, um, fermented foods are loaded with vitamin K. So I love every single one of those. <laughs> me too. Me too. Me too. And and this goes to a part of the problem. People with COVID, um, they tend to be vitamin K deficient, as well as vitamin D deficient, as well as vitamin A deficient, uh, deficient, and then also vitamin C. They kind of just drop I mean, off. You said people with COVID, but people that have struggled with COVID. People who struggle with yeah. COVID. Yes, people who have been hospitalized with, with a strong mm. bout of COVID. I don't know if there's any literature or data on people that have been infected that have survived and what their labs look like at the time indicating whether or not they were sufficient in those nutrients. That would be really cool to see, though. Yeah. It would be really cool to see if people with plenty of vitamin D and K and E and C and B did all right. Yeah. You know, and we could certainly do that. I mean, that's just blood testing. Mm-hmm. But, um, again, I just want to reiterate that pumpkins, avocados, green fruits and vegetables, fatty fish, shellfish, uh, fermented foods are carry a lot of vitamin K. If you don't get... A lot of vitamin K, and you're deficient. You are more prone to bleeding, which means you you tend you could bump into a door and bruise easily. Uh, the biggest worry about bleeding is if you injure a blood vessel, a major blood vessel like the aorta, you could bleed out. Mm. Or you injure a small blood vessel in your head, and it just bleeds, leading to a stroke. So we want to be cautious of that. So deficiencies can lead to uncontrolled bleeding uh, because it, you can't clot. It can also lead to an increased uh, risk for developing osteoporosis that we know so far and a very weak immune system. So going back to COVID, though, and I just want to reiterate this again. Vitamin K helps with a decreased risk for the cytokine storm by preventing that inflammation, and then also may be a factor in preventing that microemboli from occurring where it can lead to respiratory failure, a heart attack, a stroke, or further complications where you and I have seen patients that have lost limbs because they developed ischemia within their hand due to a clotted blood vessel and therefore had to have it amputated. So, and it would be interesting to see that patient again and maybe look at his labs and Mm -hmm. see whether or not there's a deficiency if they did look for that. But I I would be interested to know. I'd be interested to know if he's getting the foods that provide that nutrient as well. Yeah. He was, he's, he was, you know, we, we looked at him. He's like, he's a young, healthy, health conscious individual. Yeah. Bodybuilder. Mm -hmm. So I'd be curious to know. 
what you know what his health status really is yeah yeah do we have any uh anything else about five mini environment k well um not that i i i, I didn't have anything i mean i, I wish i would have brought some avocados to the table but um sure because that sounds pretty good right about now avocados from mexico yeah or 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 from the backyard you know or a box of special tree. k a box of special K. Yeah. Don't eat that shit. That shit, no. that shit doesn't. It's not no. work. It, it's, that's funny. I had a box. I had a box of special K cereal um, from one of my old roommates. And that cereal was in my pantry for over a year. Now, every now and then, I would get a craving for cereal. And sometimes I just couldn't manage to, to stay out. I, would, I made a bowl of cereal over a year old. That special K, still crunchy. Get the fuck out of it. Well, processed, yeah. ultra yeah. processed, bro. Yeah. And then I was, after that, I'm like, you know what? I threw the rest of it away. Like, I didn't finish it. And I, I don't know. But Did you get sick? It was just like, yeah, I don't think so. No, I didn't get sick. <laughs> no. Well, that's like, you know. I'm loaded with special K over here. But that's like apocalyptic food, though. You don't get rid of that shit. I have, yeah, I don't know. I don't like, I don't throw away food unless it stinks, usually. If we go to war. And Russia nukes us, and we nuke Russia, and everything you know is up topsy turvy, and it's apocalypse. You're going to want that special K because that's yeah. survival food at yeah. that point. Come on, you're going to be like Peter Griffin and go to the Twinkie, the <laughs> Twinkie warehouse. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, we've talked about it, you know, over and over and over again. Uh, you know, fresh food is very important, mm. and what I find interesting is, is that. Um, I mentioned this before. I find it interesting when I look back at like historical data and I look back at like survivalist, it's very interesting that uh, meat was very important. In particular, fish. Fish was was like one of the most important foods and it's in every culture. It's a staple. It's, it's called a staple food, a food that's within every culture. Um, and... And it was it, it was dependent upon survival and, and fish huge. Every culture used fish. Every culture used shellfish. Every culture also used fermented foods. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to me to see how they offer all these nutrients. And when we go into micronutrients, I you're going to see the same thing. You're going to see the same thing repeating itself. Yeah. And it's just interesting to me that like as great as plants are, and I I do I do think that. Plants are important. Plant-based diet, I don't know if you necessarily have to be on a strong plant-based diet, but I do think you need meat. And I think fish is probably one of the most vital things to have, particular shellfish. So maybe that'll change. Maybe down the road, genetic testing and genetic analyzations will change. But as, as the pattern that I see here, I see this fermented foods, and this meat is being very, very important to our diet. And plants too. I just don't see plants as being well, that I think most 80, of your 90%. fermented foods, uh, at least the ones that I eat fermented are, are plants. Sure. I mean, you're talking cabbage. Uh, I love sauerkraut. Probably why he has it with a K. Um, pickles. Sure. Uh, kimchi. Kimchi, yep. Very good. Very yep. good. Kombucha. But if you think about this though, I mean like, the fermented foods were also oats or, or, yeah. or hops, but also milk and honey. Honey is very, very valuable across the world for a nu- as a nutrient. So is milk. Mm. 
And that's one of the reasons why people think that cows are worshipped, because they provided a life-sustaining uh-huh. substance and milk. And when you look back at like historical data, look at the Bible. You're going to go to the land of Canaan, the land of milk and honey. Ooh. So were the Jews just wanting to go somewhere to get drunk? Uh, is that a bad know. joke? I shouldn't say I, that. I, I don't sorry. know. I, I don't even think I understand. The, the, the joke, joke is we just not talked about fermented foods, milk yeah. and honey. I mean, come on. The, the Ali yeah. basically found that uh, by drinking fermented milk and honey, bee uh-huh. honey, you get sp- you get vitamin K and you have a better immune system. And again, what? the Bible said you're going to a land of For milk and honey. What is fermented milk? They're like I'm thinking sour cream, but is that right? That's not no. What no. you're talking about? You can't drink that. Well, no, I mean, maybe you have a big straw. No, but milk is mostly water anyway. But no, fermented milk is uh, is, is is well, and just as it says, is fermented aged milk. It's usually mm. used for ales. Okay, you've seen Vikings, the show. Yeah, that's all they drank was ale, and it was milk and honey. Okay, and you ferment it. It's easy to ferment. It's easy to ferment honey. You, all you got to do is put honey in a bowl in a glass of water if you want to, mm-hmm. or in a glass of milk, and you just leave it out. You mix it together, and you leave it in the fridge or leave it on the shelf for a little while, and it's going to ferment. It'll ferment within like, oh gosh, it'll start fermenting within like five to six days. Okay, easy, and it doesn't taste bad. It's actually pretty good. It doesn't. You don't get sick from it at all. You feel, you know, it's not bad. Oh, interesting. Science project. Yeah, you should go ahead and do that. You know, Mix it with your special K if you still don't yeah. know you got rid of it. Well, I I used to put honey on the cereal, like Wheaties, Wheaties mm-hmm. and just honey. Yeah, man. You put honey? Oh, yeah. Do you remember back in the day, did you ever sprinkle uh, sugar on your cereal? <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Remember that? Like people used to do that like it was yep. like snowing. I used to yep. do it as a kid like yeah. that. I, and I would do that with like Rice Krispies. Yeah. Um, and I like the way... I could like scrape the bottom of the bowl with a spoon mm-hmm. and pull and up just a little sugar. I'm like, oh, you know, milk, milk soaked sugar. Yeah. That was really good. And yeah, then, it was really know. good. But you don't hear anybody advocating for that anymore. Oh, uh, well, I don't think, I think I don't kids know that know they advocated it? for it back then. But wow. it was like, hey, you know, these Rice Krispies by themselves aren't real sweet, but you put mm. some sugar on it and that was pretty good. I'm trying to remember what other cereals I would put sugar on. Uh, but that was a big one. Oh man, yeah, I used to put it on, put that shit on everything. Um, no, I, you know, that's funny you say Rice Krispies because I, I was explaining, I use that analogy in the residency and uh, also with patients. Uh, eventually, I want to talk about like what makes noise, mm. snap, crackle, yeah. pop. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people think that the joints make noise and they do. They, you know, for the, you know, purpose of like a vacuum seal, if you break a vacuum yeah. seal, it'll make a pop. Just like uh, the analogy I tell patients is if you put uh, a plunger, stick a plunger to a window Mm. and you pull it off the window, it's going to make that pop noise. And there's a bit of chemistry and physics involved in that. Um, But the other analogy that that I like to share with people is uh, the Rice Krispie analogy, where if you've, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, you ever like went to go stretch or do something uh, where you're like, oh, like that, or you bend your knee a certain way and all of a sudden you get like a pop yeah, or a snap or a crack that's generally not a joint and but we think of it as that yeah. a lot of times that's soft tissue and it feels good uh and you feel more limber and mobile and what you've done is you've hydrated that tissue similar to taking a rice crispy which is dried and yellow and brittle mm. easy to break and you dunk it in a, gl- in a bowl of milk 
and it elongates, gets very flexible, and it becomes like almost translucent. Like you can, you know what I mean? White and translucent. And that's what your soft tissue is like. If it's too dry, if it's dehydrated, it will get stiff and vulnerable to injury. It will tend to darken in color until you hydrate it. And when you hydrate it, it becomes very flexible, yeah. longer, less likely to tear, and um, wet, very wet. So, but that's a topic down the road. I just thought of that with the yeah. Rice Krispie thing. Yeah, so. I've got a gigantic box of Rice Krispies right now. How long have you had it? Um, like two years? No, no, this is newer. Uh, this was this was actually, uh, it, we used it in a recipe. Um, we didn't need that met, that much, but when you order stuff online, like um, the, the delivery, the grocery deliveries, mm-hmm. um, sometimes there's an option to substitute or whatever. Mm-hmm. And instead of just giving us a normal size box of Rice Krispies, they substituted it with a gigantic box of Rice Krispies. <laughs> but so, but we're going to use it this weekend, making some Rice Krispie treats for friends going away party. You they bastard. love those things. Yeah. Um, so it's been, but it's been waiting there. It's been, you know, uh, probably a good, um, what was the last time? Maybe two months. Are you going to substitute? Quite. Are you going to substitute anything for the Rice Krispies? Like as opposed to marshmallow? I don't even know if you can, but um, I mean, as a dietitian, you can sub make substitutions to decrease the sugar content, fat content, whatnot. But are you guys going to do that? Or are you just going to do it the old fashioned way? Well, it's going to be, it's going to be vegan marshmallows. Um, but that, uh, other than that, I don't know. I mean, we're, marshmallows are vegan, aren't they? Well, I, I don't, uh, not all of them. No. And I don't no? remember if it's a butter thing or what, what's in them. Uh, butter or them. egg or something like that? Maybe? Egg maybe. I don't know. But, you know, they don't, they don't, they don't have to be, you know, uh, not a vegan marshmallow. They could be a vegan marshmallow. Do you have them here? You have the vegan? The, the marshmallows? No, not yet. Have you uh, had one yet? Yeah, I've had them. Yeah. Do they taste the same? They taste the same. They taste, they taste exactly the same. Uh, hmm. Maybe even a, a little better. I don't know. It what? just, they melt down differently just a little bit too. Uh, it was yeah. funny at Thanksgiving, um, somebody made a sweet potato casserole mm-hmm. and actually two people did. And, uh, one of them was vegan and the other was, was not, it was just a regular. And, um, the, I, I, I actually got a little bit upset because when somebody was asking the difference, um, somebody else they came, came, came behind and says, well, I'm going to get the real sweet potato. I'm like, <laughs> uh, more on the sweet potatoes are sweet potatoes. They're all real <laughs> sweet potatoes. It's a real sweet potato casserole. Both of them made with sweet potatoes. One of them didn't use butter and the other one used butter. Mm. Explain to me, miss, how this one is not real because it didn't use butter and used a vegan marshmallow. Uh, and I was just like, yeah, you know, I, I could see the whole, the, like it, it just the whole the mindset against like real and fake and or real and vegan and the whole thing that just blew me it, just, it it upset me like you know that's just dumb closed minded thought about what food is and or food isn't well you know and and that being said like I mean what the hell is fake anyway right you know you you're yeah you might be making artificial flavors and shit or using things in substitute of artificial flavors but. They're still real, yeah. And, <laughs> right? and, and, and but but the, I I just don't think that ultra processed or processed foods, yeah, are that beneficial. I think we right. see a pattern with that. And I when I think of a lot of like vegan substitute meals or vegan foods, 
outside of Whole Foods, you know, it's it's way processed. Yeah, a lot of it is, yeah. 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 But, I mean, like, again, going back to what we talk about, though, I see a pattern. And we're going to see a pattern of, like, plant-based nutrition as well. Mm-hmm. But I just don't know. I, I, literally, I legitimately don't know if 80, 90% of your calories from plants or even 100% is really that good for you. And I would, I would actually, I think there's actually a strong argument that maybe it's not. And, and maybe if you look at it from a realistic perspective, if you were to survive, on, if we were in the apocalypse mm-hmm. and you had to survive on your own and there's no food at the grocery store, nothing, are you going to survive as a vegetarian? Is that possible? It would be tough to sustain. I don't think that. I, think. I don't think that when you look at survivalist, I don't think people can survive off of vegetarianism. But I, you know, I take that back. Actually, now that I say that, maybe the, the Southeast Asians, you know, or South Asians. I think the most difficult part could. would be to sustain your crops, the, the crops and the plants. Yeah. Like you'd have to be on, like you have to really, really be a good farmer to keep to keep your crops. Your, you know long enough make enough have enough for one year through the season through the cold season and you know then start again every year you'd be really good at it yeah i i I mean yeah i don't know i just i don't know i think we're omnivores but i don't know if we can that relying on plant nutrition is really that beneficial and i don't think that i think that you'll find people that will say oh no the science is in we got you know it's, it's definitely that way i don't think the science is in I don't think we really know. I don't think we know either. And, I mean, like, mm-hmm. like I could, I could tell you that uh, my girlfriend doesn't hardly get sick at all, um, yeah. and you know she's 100 percent vegan, but whole food vegan. Mm-hmm. You know, minimal, yeah. minimal uh, processed food. Um, so whole food, plant based. You know, though. Also, I want to continue to follow Justin Fields. Yeah, and I want to see how well he recovers. Yeah, he had that that injury, and it, I mean, like it wasn't. It was just an ankle sprain. I don't think they said it was a high, high ankle sprain. I don't know. I don't remember I, either. I, I mean, just want to follow him. It, you know, because he's a plant based guy. Yeah, and I want to see. You know, maybe he does. Really, I hope he does really, really well. You know, I hope he. I think he'll be a great. I think he's going to be a good quarterback. I just hope he recovers nicely and gets back on the field and shows people what he can do. And I think he's got it in him. That being said, though, I I want to see Trevor Lawrence succeed as well. And yeah. Tua. Into it, yeah. I want to see him succeed despite the clusterfuck in Miami, but yeah, that's a talk for another time. So I guess that's it, man. We're yeah, good. Yeah, we'll uh, go ahead and wrap up this special no, interview. No, that's it. We're done. Yeah, we're done with our thank yous. We've already taken care of that shit. It's been a year. Yeah. Um. Yeah. We did the other stuff in the beginning. Yep. All right. I think we're good. That's a wrap. <laughs>